Hola, hello. Thank you for tuning in to Mujeres in the Know. Hey everybody, it's Natalie here bringing you a new episode. I have today a very special episode. I have a special guest. Her name is Brisa Areli Munoz. She's a Edinburgh native and she's done a lot of work in New York City and she's in the Valley right now to do some work as an artist and a cultural worker. Go ahead and continue listening if you want to get some guidance from Brisa on how we can get through the pandemic together, how artists can help out, and she also gives some advice to young girls who may be aspiring to be an artist. Thank you so much, Brisa, for taking time to speak with the Mujeres in the Know podcast. I really appreciate it. My first question for you is, Brisa, can you tell us a quick snippet of your schooling you've had and work you've done? Yeah. My work is as an artist and a cultural worker. What does that mean, right? Um, my work started as a theater director. I helped to sustain a grassroots theater company that actually started in the Rio Grande Valley around 2007, 13 o'clock theater. And uh, during that time, we were creating original participatory works with music on local issues. And since then, I've been living in New York doing a similar practice, you know, with the public theater. And, you know, I'm on the directing team for American Repertory Theater's upcoming production of 1776, which whenever Broadway opens again, will be there as well. So my work is a intersection between both that theater directing, but I'm also an educator. I got my master's in applied theater in New York, which likes to think about theater as an instrument, you know, a vessel, not just um, an opportunity for entertainment, right? But a real vehicle for teaching and learning. So a lot of my work, you know, comes at the intersection of both art and education, right? The cultural work comes in when you start to think critically about the environment that you're bringing to your audience, right? Whether that audience is actors themselves or leaders of an organization or educators, you know, my work asks, is this a space where people can learn? Do they trust the content that's being put out? Do they like how it's being put out? And what might we be able to learn together by, um, you know, daring to engage, to dialogue? And that's just a bit of a snippet of some of the work that I do. Great. The work you've done and, you know, you've been to New York. And I have a question about that, too. You've had the opportunity to live and to work in New York City. So how do you feel that the Rio Grande Valley may be better prepared for this current environment than maybe New York or another place? It's a great question. First of all, there's something about New York, you know, it already knows what it is. It has its identity, you know, and in a way, when I think about the work that I get to do in the Valley, I think about how we're still forming ours and how right now we're at a point of growth, you know, that even amidst this pandemic, there are so many organizations that are out there, number one, who have already been doing the grassroots work of showing up for communities, which is the work that I like to prioritize, you know, places like Lupe and like Arise. But then you've got all of these other organizations, you know, RGV Equal Voice and Craft Cultura and Las Imaginistas and Neta. And you just, you start to really see a generation of people who are really willing to grapple with the difficult conversations around how do we show up for communities? How do we show up for ourselves? And um, I get really excited about the ways that all of these organizations are showing us um, how we can be engaging with each other and, and showing up for each other during this difficult time. Definitely. My next question is, how can we expect everyday life to be like post-pandemic? That's a great question. You know, I feel like we're still inventing what that means. 
I don't know what a post-pandemic corona is. I know what I would like to see. I know that I would like to see more unified communities who are recognizing that if people on the local uh, level are coming together, that there's real change that can be made so that the issues that we're experiencing with COVID, with racism, with, you know, all of the things that are happening, you know, in 2020 today, I, I feel like if we were coming together more consciously, more deliberately, we could be creating safer environments for ourselves, despite the fact that things really feel so unsafe right now. My next question for you, Brisa, is what can Latina women do to better position themselves for success in the future? Beautiful question. Invent things. Be bold and invent things. You know, I'm an Aquarius, so I'm inherently independent by nature. And so I feel like I've always been in the position where I haven't ever quite done things the way that maybe things should have been expected of me. I remember in first grade, we were asked to like paint a rainbow with three colors. And in my mind, I was like, why are we painting it with three? A rainbow doesn't have three colors, you know? And so I broke the rule and I painted it with all the colors. And then, you know, my teacher didn't put it up because she was like, you didn't follow the rules. And I remember thinking like, okay, all right, this is the way the world works. You have to follow the rules. And then, you know, I grew up with artist parents. They were choreographers. So in lots of ways, they were the ones who encouraged me to, you know, break the rules a little bit. And I sort of feel like in lots of ways, it has dictated my my work and my practice. And so I would say daring to be innovative, daring to come up with brand new ideas that maybe no one's ever thought about um, would be a beautiful way to start. Of course. And since, you know, you're an artist, what would you say artists could be doing right now to, you know, make this world a better place or what can they be doing to, to help out during this time? Yeah. I love this question. Cause I think it's really important. I think artists are massively untapped resources in communities that could really change the way that society works with each other. But I think that part of that comes with understanding even just how valuable the function of art is, not getting caught up just with what we see it to be, you know, art looks like a play or it looks like a, a film. No, it, it can really look like a hybrid of things. It can really be anything you want. It's just a vehicle. And so when you start to think about, okay, like if, if my art isn't just for mere entertainment's sake, what else could it be for? And how can those creative strategies get people excited to be showing up in the world for each other. Uh, so I, I feel like there are so many artists already who are thinking in those ways, and I am merely one of them, but to encourage more and more artists to think about themselves also as community builders, as organizers, I think, um, might stand to serve us as a society. Of course. I know you mentioned when you were in high school, uh, you and a couple of your friends created the 13 O'Clock Theater. And that started in Edinburgh, right? Yeah, so actually it started with um, Daniela and Jose and, and Alex Tay. They, they all, um, they both were actually of Sherryland and McAllen. And I came in in its second year and sort of brought some Edinburgh folks along with me too. So it was really a, a, a joint effort among cities where we were recognizing, hey, like we want to see more theater happening and not just within the school systems and, and the systems that already exist, but we want to be creating new avenues for artists. And so um, a lot of that work brought people who were originally from the Valley who had either gone off to school or had been going to school here, right, at UT Pan Am, um, coming together and saying, hey, we want to make more art. We want to be having conversations about local issues. We want to find inventive, invigorating ways to get people excited here about things that are happening here. 
Um, so that, that was a little bit of, of that work that started back around 2007, I'd say. That's really cool that you could say, you know, you were a part of that. So my next question is, if you could talk to a young girl who's aspiring to be an artist with the pandemic in mind, what would you tell her to give her some advice? I would say, think about all the opportunities that you still have to learn and grow during this time. I think there are so many barriers for so many different people right now. You know, even this idea that the internet is a luxury, you know, it, it has become in our daily lives a necessity, right? So when people don't even get access to the internet to learn and grow in those ways, then, you know, they're already at a significant disadvantage. And yet, you know, there are many organizations that are community-based that are thinking about um, a, about them. And, and so I would encourage, like, look up organizations, even just in the region that inspire you. Find um people who are having the same sorts of conversations that you want to be having um, and and dare to put yourself out there too uh, would be just some of the things that I, I'd encourage. Great. What would you maybe tell somebody that's interested in moving to New York City after they graduate from high school? I know a lot of artists and musicians live there. So would you encourage someone who's aspiring to be an artist and a musician to move to a city like that? I think that there's always a benefit of learning and being in places that you've never been before. So whether that is New York, there are many other sort of cultural and artistic capitals in the United States. You know, we've got, you know, Chicago and Atlanta and there are there are many places that are not just New York. So I would encourage that if it is possible. Find ways to learn in new ways. And sometimes that does mean relocating to a new city to dare to understand what life is like there, because it gives you the opportunity to reflect more clearly on what life is like here, what you appreciate about it, what you wish looked differently, with the ultimate hope of using that knowledge that you've garnered to come back and share it with the people who helped you know, build you up. My last question for you, Brisa, is how can us as women remain strong during this time, you know, with the pandemic going on? And what can we do to just uh, be resilient? You know, one of your episodes already talked about self-care. And it's a question that I've been ruminating on for the past two or three years for myself. What does it look like to take care of yourself? Um, I sometimes notice the function of, you know, women, like the role of women in society is often to be sort of nurturing or caretakers. And I think that sometimes doesn't extend to ourselves. And so finding ways that are exciting for you to give back to yourself uh, would be something that I would encourage. You know, I'm you know, engage in spiritual practice and I practice Reiki and meditate and I sit out by, you know, the pond, you know, whenever I need to clear my head. So, you know, whatever works, you know, oh, I'm trying to get better at exercise. <laughs> so that's, that's a few things I would say. Great. Yes. I know uh, the woman I've, I've spoke to so far on the podcast, all say, you know, we need to take care of ourselves and not only physical, but their mental too. So that's great advice. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Mujeres in the Know podcast. And if you want to ask Brisa some questions, I'm more than sure she'll be willing to talk to you. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll talk to you later. Remember, cuidado, por favor, be careful out there. All right, bye-bye.